Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I am a competitive championship winning long range shooter that shoots thousands and thousands of rounds every year at a thousand yards. What do you think my self and post limit is in the field? I don't know, Eric, but I bet you're going to be a lot less than a thousand yards. It is. My self and post limit is. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcast. And we've got a special program today because we have a real shooter on the line. This gentleman not only knows how to shoot, but he knows how to call the wind. And we really want to get into wind deflection in this episode. And the man who's going to tell us all about it is a multiple competition winning shooter, F-class specifically, Eric Cortina. You may have seen his podcast channel or his YouTube channel. This man really knows how to shoot, and we are hoping to learn some excellent stuff from him. So, Eric, welcome aboard. Ron, thanks for having me. That was a great introduction, better than I could have done. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, everything I have learned about your shooting career tells me that you are absolutely living up to the billing that I just gave you, and you're probably a lot more than that. Where are you from, Eric? The Texas area? Yes, sir. San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Now, I have heard that you've been a, a Texas a long-range shooting champ. Is that in the F-class shooting? Yes, sir. I uh, I shoot F-class, which is, uh, you know, we shoot prone, 1,000 yards. And uh, I've won the Texas State Championship four times. And uh, wow. recently won the Southwest Nationals uh, last month. So. So far, Mm -hmm. so good. Okay. Well, you obviously got a lot to teach us about shooting at a thousand yards prone. So I think we're going to just jump right into it. Now, as you may know, my channel is, is mostly about hunting, shooting and hunting. So I'm more interested in reasonable hunting distances, maybe say to 500 yards. And, uh, beyond that is when we really start to be concerned about, uh, ballistic performance of our bullets in relation to both drop and deflection or drift. The wind deflection is the biggest challenge. And I understand that you are not only an expert in calling the wind, but you actually teach it for the USA shooting team. Does that sound right? Yes, sir. I am a wind coach for the United States rifle team. Uh, I am literally in charge of telling the shooters where to to aim. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, that's what I want to pick your brain about because that is my weakest point is calling the wind. I've just never really worked at it and become proficient at it. So we're going to dive into that here in the show. But before we do, you've got to tell me a little bit about F-class shooting. I've got a rough idea. Do you use specialty rifles or are these stock rifles that you can buy from any manufacturer? Exactly what are you looking for in an F-class rifle? And then after we discuss that, let's talk about the optics that are required. So there's two classes, FTR and F-Open. The FTR is a target rifle, and you are limited to 223 or 308, and you have to shoot off a bipod, and you can use a rear sandbag. Uh, there is a weight limit of uh, about 18.2 pounds. And that includes the bipod. So you don't have to have a specialized rifle. You can literally bring your grandpa's 308, shoot it off a bipod, and you can compete. There's no limitations uh, as far as uh, mm -hmm. on the low end, right? Now, if you try to uh, build a specialized rifle, that's kind of where the limitations come in. You cannot use a muzzle brake. Uh, other than that, you can, and you have to single feed. You can't feed out of a magazine but you know you can do that with just about any rifle uh in the open category mm -hmm. you have to have a cartridge that is 35 uh caliber or under uh some some rules limited to 33 caliber but nobody's going to shoot that that's just too much recoil that nobody's going to be willing to put up with it because remember no muscle brakes allowed so Mm -hmm. uh, you have to find a balance of ballistics and recoil and barrel life and all, you know, barrel heat. You have to find a real mm. good balance yeah. because uh, we have to shoot 20 shots for record. So 20 shots plus they allow you to take some sliders at the beginning. So you're going to be shooting anywhere be from 22 to maybe 30 shots. So the barrels can get really mm -hmm. hot. So... Uh, shooting a really big cartridge is not really that desirable. So you've got you've got a time limit. Yes, sir. Uh, typically, if it's a twenty shot match, we have thirty minutes. Uh, and mm -hmm. depending on the wind, that's a lot of time. Or if it's really switchy in a headwind or tailwind, that's really really strong. Thirty minutes is not enough time because mm -hmm. we're trying to pick our way through that wind. Wow. And it's uh, sometimes wow. it's uh, wish I had more time. Oh, I, I suppose if you are a little bit slow and you're, you're trying to wait for the perfect wind, you get to the point where you need to shoot your last five shots really quickly, huh? Yes, that has happened before. And, uh, some, some shooters <laughs> even time out, they, they don't get their shots off. Oh, and of course yeah. that costs a lot of points. Okay. So we're looking for a balance in the rifle, the round you're shooting, considering all the things you talked about, what would you say is the perfect cartridge caliber bullet for that? Well, there's really no perfect one, but the most common is coincidentally your favorite seven millimeter, which is a 284 Winchester. That is the most ah. used cartridge in F-Class long range. It is, again, uh -huh. it's a simple cartridge. It is efficient. It is uh, easy to tune, and it really packs a lot of punch for its size. So. Not a whole lot of powder, but a lot of performance downrange. We shoot 180 grain bullets out of it, and it does really well in the wind and in the grouping ability. It is, it is a very easy-to-tune cartridge. 
Hmm. Now, how does that differ from, let's say, the SOM, the 7-millimeter short-action ultramagnum from Remington? I hear a lot of guys use that. And then some guys will say, well, why not the 7WSM? You got a little more powder in there, but I'm guessing you probably have more recoil than you want and maybe a little more uh, heating of the barrel. Does that sound right? Correct. Well, there's no such thing as a free launch, as they say. And as you go up to the 7 SOM, it is uh, somewhat of a, of a popular cartridge. However, there is nobody that makes really good brass for it. Keep in mind, we're trying to keep everything as mm. consistent as possible. And Lapua is probably the most dominating uh, brass manufacturer in co competitive sports. So if Lapua doesn't make brass mm -hmm. for it, uh, or Lapua, is, which is the proper t way to say <laughs> to say it, uh, if they don't make brass, <laughs> we try, as competitive shooters, we try to not use it as much because we can use other brass, but it just takes a lot more work to get it to mm -hmm. be consistent. Uh, the mm -hmm. brass doesn't last as long. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot more work. But the SOM is very sure. popular. The WSM, there's like one or two guys shooting that. But again, now you're, you're into very diminishing returns because, yeah, you get more horsepower, you get faster, but now you have more recoil. And the recoil doesn't really hurt us because we have a 22-pound limit on the rifles. But mm -hmm. uh, it's still, when you're trying to shoot fast, you know, we discuss something you have to shoot fast. It's really hard to shoot a really, you know, yeah. like a WSM. It's hard to shoot them fast because they, they kick hard and they move the, the sandbag. Mm -hmm. And it's just harder to, for follow-up shots, it's harder to do. So also the barrel life. Uh, at 284 Winchester, we can get about 2,000 rounds out of it, which is a lot for a competitive round. The Psalms and the WSM, mm -hmm. you're looking at about 700 rounds. So it, Ooh, boy. it diminishes drastically. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to the world championship pretty soon. Uh, we need to take 700 rounds to shoot the world championship. Well, if you have a WSM, Whoa. you can't really shoot that there because, you, you know, that's an <laughs> yeah, entire barrel's done, life. Huh? Worth, worth, yeah, so you would have to take multiple barrels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can you can see how it starts to become a problem. The ballistic advantage is sure. not worth the headaches of having to deal with with the WSM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well that suggests to me one more question on cartridges. Seven millimeter 08 Remington. Not quite enough horsepower. What's the deal with that? Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, that was 
one of my first deer hunting cartridges ever and it is super efficient it's amazing however uh mm -hmm. when you compare it to the 284 it's just not you know whatever it can do the 284 can do better uh, and because the 284 better, is, huh? mm -hmm. yeah, and the 284 just seems to sit at a very happy place in, in, uh, ballistics and efficiency because we're shooting very long barrels, 28 to 32 inch barrels. So you can take mm -hmm. advantage of that extra case capacity. Okay. Now what sort of muzzle velocity are you getting with those? Would you say 180 grain bullet? Yes. Uh, so the 180 grain bullets, uh, somewhere between 2750 and 2850 with a 284 there's of course mm -hmm. you know as competitive shooters we have variants or improved cartridges kind of like the ackley improved uh, mm -hmm. we have a 284 improved which is called the 284 shahane which was created by bill shahane a very famous venture mm -hmm. shooter and uh, all it does is reduces the body taper and it gives extra case capacity so that 284 Shehane, you can get up to about 2920 feet per second with a 180. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, this kind of confirms what I have long known is that the 284 Winchester is a heck of a cartridge. I, of course, use it for hunting in an ultralight rifle, uh, Mel Forbes ultralight arms rifle, model 20. And I fell in love with that the first time I shot it, and I hunted sheep with it and caribou and elk. And, I mean, I just took it everywhere because it was a combination that just seemed to be perfect. It, you know, it sort of strikes me that I had the 284 in a setup that was perfect for mountain hunting in the similar way to what you have for your long-range F-class shooting. So it looks like a pretty versatile 7-millimeter cartridge the way I see it. It is. And I want to clarify that, you know, I shoot mainly 1,000 yards, but the uh, F-Class is shot at 300, 500, 600, 800, 900, and 1,000. So mm. you might be able to find a local club that shoots mid-range, which is, you know, three, five, or 600. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you can literally mm -hmm. bring your hunting rifle, shoot it off a bipod, because in F-Open, we're allowed to use a mechanical rest, but that doesn't mean we have to. You can literally shoot off a bipod. My very first F-Class long-range okay. match was shot with a 300 Win Mag hunting rifle with a, with a Macmillan stock off a Harris bipod and a sandbag. That's because that was my elk hunting rifle, and I wanted to learn how to shoot it. Uh -huh. So uh, that's how I used to shoot my first F-Class matches. Ah, Now, what sort of groups are you expecting to shoot at, say, your 1,000-yard with your tricked-out rifle? Well, the target is one MOA at every distance. So, you know, if we're talking a thousand yards, that's 10 inches. That's, you're trying to keep all mm -hmm. 20 shots inside of 10 inches at a thousand yards. And again, it's the same at every distance. So even if you attend a, a 300 or 500 yard match, you know, it's going to be one MOA. So at 500, it's five inches, 600 is six inches mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Now, do you actually measure group size or you just have to hit the target? We shoot for score, which is just as long as you put them in the middle, it doesn't matter. You know, okay. it, it doesn't matter if you, if you catch the 10 barely, it's, it's a 10. So yeah. we don't group, we don't okay. measure group size. However, in testing or, you know, when we're tuning the rifles, my goal is to have a rifle right. that shoots three inches or less at a thousand yards for five shots. Whoa, three inches or less. So you're under a quarter MOA? That's what I shoot for. I shoot for a quarter right? MOA at a thousand yards, five shots. Yeah. <laughs> so that really helps if you 
call the wind wrong a little bit, you know, just having that much more accuracy in your in your bullets going to help, right? Absolutely. And that's the name of the game. Uh, the way I describe it is imagine you have a basket hoop, right? A basketball hoop. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what size it is. Let's say 12 inches. And you have an option to shoot baskets with two size balls, a, a 10 inch ball or a four inch ball. The four inch ball gives you a lot more room to be wrong and still make that basket. So that's how group size is. You, you know, you want to have a rifle that shoots really tight, really consistent. And obviously that's going to give you the best chance of winning. Sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I, and we can apply that to hunting. Obviously I always tell folks, you do not need a quarter MOA or even an MOA rifle for successful hunting rifle, because most of your shots are going to be easily within MOA out to 400 yards. And very few of us shoot beyond that, unless you're an extreme long range shooter who's looking to do that kind of thing. But if you've got a one MOA rifle or even 1.5, an inch and a half, if you guys are shooting an inch and a half at 100 yards, you're good with the center hold on your t- chest of your target. Um, gosh, out to 400, even 500 yards. So, uh, but then again, as you're saying, if you make any mistakes in judging the windage or the drops, um, you've got a little fudge factor if you are shooting a half an MOA rifle. So more accuracy never hurts. It can Correct. certainly help, but it's not mandatory, is it? Well, I'll tell you what. You're going to get a lot more success out of training than you are out of tuning your rifle down to quarter MOA. There's going to be a lot more error induced by the shooter than there is by the rifle. So we must keep that in mind. I'm a, I am a professional shooter. So that's why I, this is where I'm at in my journey. But mm-hmm. at the beginning I was, I was losing more points because of wind because, uh, you know, my, my hold, my trigger squeeze, you know, that needs to be handled. Right. Uh, so uh, I want to yeah. just be clear about that. Uh, work on on yourself. Work on some training. Shoot off of uh, uncomfortable positions. Shoot, uh, I don't know, shoot off a backpack, whatever. You know, do train. And then we can always worry about making that rifle tighter. Yeah. Oh, that's an excellent point because I think it's so easy for us as hunters as well as target shooters to focus on the gear, the equipment, because it's it's easy and it's exciting and we're we're acquisitive creatures. We want the latest and greatest. And we figure if we buy the latest fancy rifle and the best cartridge and the best bullets and the best scopes, by golly, we are going to be the best hunters, the best shooters. But your point is excellent. It's really mostly up to the shooter, not so much the gear. Well, the way I the way I say it is, is you have hardware, which is amazing. We love buying hardware. I mean, who doesn't, right? Uh, <laughs> after all, the, the the perfect amount of hunting rifles to own is N plus one, where N is the number that you currently have. <laughs> That's the formula. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, all that hardware means nothing without software. And the software is in here, right? And that is something that we always yeah, must yeah, yeah. work on. Uh, and that's why they say, you know, a good shooter can, with a bad rifle can, can beat a bad shooter with a good rifle because it's yeah. the software. The software plays a huge part in 
everything in the equation. It, it's a it's a larger part of the equation than hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to jump right from there into these wind call stuff. But remind me to get back to scopes here before we're done because that's a big part of it. But this is a good segue into the calling the wind and using your smarts, and that's for me the hardest because I have not worked at it. Um, I just don't train that much with windage. What are some simple solutions that a hunter can use to understand his rifle, his bullet, and what he can expect on the wind? How do you judge these wind calls? I know you can look at your basic numbers on your trajectory chart. 10 mile an hour right angle wind, it's easy. You get your numbers. It's six inches of deflection or 12, or you can run it in MOA if you want and all the rest of it. But it becomes confusing when your wind suddenly is 15 miles an hour or 5 miles an hour, or it's not a right angle that's coming in at a 30-degree angle or something. What's the simple way to get all of that stuff figured out so that your software can function quickly under the stress of seeing that big racked elk or mule deer out there at 400 yards? Well, there is no easy way. That's the problem. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, so the simplest thing is so, so this is how I rate wind reading the the best indicator of what the wind is doing is my previous shot mm-hmm. that's how I do it in competition however as a hunter you don't have a previous shot right so yeah. that we have to right. eliminate obviously if you have to take a follow up shot and that's where being a good shooter comes in you you shoot you follow yeah. through, you see your your impact, and then you compensate in case you have to take a follow-up shot. So, number one, the best indicator of what the wind is doing is your previous shot. Number two, for me, it's Mirage. Mirage is gonna it's gonna it's gonna be more sensitive to the wind. It's gonna be more true. Mm-hmm. And the third is gonna be wind flags, or in the field, you don't have wind flags. So you're gonna have trees, yeah, leaves. No. All of the above, right? So you have to be a very observant hunter. Uh, mm-hmm. On my podcast, I was doing a, a podcast with, uh, I forget who, but they asked me, they said, well, what about a hunter that only has a minute to make a wind call versus like a competitive shooter that we have, you know, 30 minutes or an hour? And I said, there is no such thing as a hunter that only has one minute. The, the hunter that only has one minute to make a wind call is a hunter that is not aware of the wind. When you're out there, you should always be thinking about the wind. As you're hiking, you need to be yeah. looking around. What's the wind doing, right? And and that is a very, that's one of those things that us hunters, we think about the wind, but only in a sense of you don't want to, the animal to smell you, right? So you're like, I need to be mm-hmm. downwind. Mm-hmm. I need to be downwind, right? Well, you got to think about that. But at the same time is how much wind is there? Which way is the wind coming yeah. from, right? Uh, so you have to constantly be thinking about the wind so that when you have to make a shot, you don't have a minute. You've had four, six, eight hours that you've been in the field to think about the wind. Yeah. Everything else should already be handled, right? You, you already have the cartridge. I mean, we, we spend at least I did when I used to hunt, I used to spend hours, if not days looking at charts, ballistic charts, reading articles, uh, from people like you on 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 the latest and the greatest cartridge that that I could use that would give me the highest you know chance of a uh, successful hunt so we yeah. spend hours and hours reading ballistic tables 
you should do the same, if not more. Actually, watching the wind, watching what the trees are doing, leaves, whatever it is that you can do. But see, the, the beauty about everything else, it's done ahead of time. When you show up in the field, all that should be handled, right? The cartridge, the bullet, yeah. the, the imposed limit. That, this is a big one. You need to have an imposed limit on yourself as to the range. If, if you had to guess, I am a competitive, you know, championship winning long range shooter that shoots thousands and thousands of rounds every year at a thousand yards. What do you think my self-imposed limit is in the field? I don't know, Eric, but I bet you're going to be a lot less than a thousand yards. It is. My self-imposed limit is 600 yards. Yeah. Why? Because I've seen so much in competition where I go, oh, I know exactly what's going on. I'm going to hit a dead center. And I'm off about this far, you know, about 18 inches or so. And the reason is sometimes there's stuff out there that you just can't see. Now, add that, the fact that the animal, it's literally a moving target, even when it's standing still. It can move at any time. And that just adds so many layers to the point that my self-imposed limit is 600 yards. No more. If it's more than 600, yeah, I'm going to find a way to get closer or I'm, I'm just not taking that shot. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And I'm glad you said it, Eric, because I think it's just so easy for, well, especially I want to say younger hunters, but it might be an older hunter who's just not hunted that much, but someone who's relatively new to the game, we, uh, as we mentioned earlier, we get all excited about gear, but um, comes down to that software and understanding one's capabilities. I don't think we can preach that too often. You really need to understand not only what your rifle and your bullet can do, but what you can do. And then, as you say, have those limitations. And if a successful state champion what you were like third in the world a couple of years ago fifth, or something fifth at the this world championship and i just fifth. won a national championship so i can shoot and i'm saying that just as emphasis yeah. that there's no question that i can shoot however i still i still have the self-imposed limit and not because i don't believe my abilities it is because of what i have seen in competition where every now and then you just, yeah. there's a shot that just goes out there and you go, where did that come from? And you know yeah. how I said the, the, the best uh, feedback of what the wind is doing is my previous shot. Sometimes you don't mm -hmm. know what the wind is doing. You think you, we think we know we're a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Until we take that shot and then it's, it's not where it's supposed to go. You just never know. You, you've seen it enough times that you just never know exactly when the wind might switch on you or something screws it up and you don't want to risk that shot beyond 600 yards. Yeah. So it's, and it's not just the ability of the shooter. Sometimes, sometimes believe it or not, a bullet can fail and bullet can, hmm. you know, just have a small imperfection. 600 yards is a very long shot. Yeah, and sometimes what's your flight time. Uh, for a thousand yards, it's like 1.2 seconds. Uh, so 600, yeah. it's going to be maybe half a second or so. Uh, but still, there's a lot that can happen in half a second, especially again, the animal yeah. can move. 
the the mm-hmm. you could have a slight imperfection in a bullet. I mean, we we single feed everything for competition. We I mean, we literally treat the ammo like eggs because they're so fragile. And you know, for hunting sure. purposes, you know, you slam them in a magazine. Every time you shoot, they recoil. I mean, there's a lot. They're taking a lot of abuse. And yeah. they could be, you can literally, you can literally hit a bug in, in, in the air. And again, you just <laughs> never know. There's, yeah. there's so many things that can happen in 600 yards. So again, shooting yeah. at paper, thousand yards, no problem. But shooting at an animal that can move at any time, that can, you know, so many things can happen. And I'm just terrified of wounding an animal. That's something that I never want to do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really the most important part. As as hunters, we have the responsibility of doing things right and not taking these risks and chances. I always tell folks, do your long-range shooting on targets, wonderful. You know, I think it, it helps you in the long run as a hunter because if you can consistently shoot at 1,000 yards or 800 yards, whatever distance you're shooting, cut that in half for your hunting and you are going to be, I think, the most successful and safe and responsible hunter you can be. Just don't try pushing the envelope. Just don't get edgy and say, I think I can hit that guy at 914 yards. I think is not as good as I know. You really need to have complete confidence. So more power to you, Eric. And thanks for emphasizing that because I, I just think it's probably the most important thing we can take away from successful target shooters like you is that even with your skill level, you have enough common sense and respect for your, not just your prey, but yourself to not take those risky shots. So you're roughly, you're almost reducing your range by 50%, not quite, but close to it. I think that's probably a good good measure for everyone. If you're confident, guys, at shooting 500 yards, I would then limit your shooting of game animals to 300 yards. Does that make sense to you, Eric? It makes a lot of sense. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, cool. 
Now, let's get back to the rifle scopes we were talking about. I'm sure there are slightly different scopes for target shooting at 1,000 yards or even 500 yards than there would be for a hunter. At least I know there is for me. I have had and worked with all sorts of scopes, and I don't go hunting with elaborate target scopes. Am I wrong or not? Yeah, they are different. And again, this is uh, part of why we need to cut the distance on the animals, right? Number one, the abilities. We already discussed of all the things that can happen. But when we're shooting a thousand yards, I have more specialized equipment that I'm not willing to carry into the field. Uh, I mm-hmm. shoot 50 power scopes at a at a thousand yards. I don't have 50 power scopes on my hunting rifles. I typically... yeah. The top end is typically about 18 power for my hunting rifles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They they are lighter, obviously. I want a lighter scope to go into the field. They are not a, as robust because robust equals weight, right? So there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of give and take there. But uh, yeah, for competition, I use Collis 10 to 50 power scopes, and we hardly, you know, I don't think I've ever used the 10 power. They stay around 40. 45 power and uh, mm-hmm. in the field I use uh, you know 3 to 18 I use uh, mm-hmm. one of my rifles still has a very old scope uh, 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 what is it a 6.5 to 20 a loophole 6.5 to 20 VX3 mm-hmm. uh, that's on one of mm-hmm. my rifles uh, those are perfectly good scopes for, for the uh, for the hunter right Uh yeah. I know there's a lot of scopes out there with ballistic compensators and things of that nature, but uh, I'm going to say they're good enough. Again, if we limit our range, you're going to, the, the margin for error is going to be fine. There's, there's margin for error, but if you start mm-hmm. to extend those ranges, you, you need to know more than the ballistic drop compensator. You need to literally have a ballistic chart, uh, and understand that conditions change your drop on your bullets. It's not a static, that, that ballistic chart is not static. It changes as the density altitude changes. So there's, again, this, there's that software that we talked about. You know, you need to know these things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Uh, but as far as the scopes go, you don't need a very elaborate scope for hunting to be able to shoot long range. I would, I would get something with, yeah. with target turrets something that you can dial your distance and that's going to help mm-hmm. you a lot, a lot more. Yeah. That pretty much confirms what I've noticed over the years. Of course, I started way back when, before all of these fancy scopes came in, it was just holdover. And I still subscribe to the maximum point blank range. I mean, if you can set your rifle up to know that you're going to keep your bullet within the target zone of the animal you're hunting without knowing the precise distance, you don't have to spend time when a time is of the essence, worrying about, gosh, do I need to dial? Do I need to pick a different subreticle? Exactly what the distance is. You just hold dead center and you know you're going to land that bullet in the vitals within your range. And it's usually easily extendable to 300 yards with a 270 class cartridge. Um, you can get up to 400 yards with some really fast cartridges, et cetera, et cetera. But again, you have to make your compensations and the judgments between a windage deflection with a heavier bullet that's not going to shoot as flat or the lighter bullet that'll shoot flat but will deflect more in the wind and you've got to make a choice there so all of those things come into play and it's you mentioned earlier it really behooves all of us to spend a lot of time looking at those ballistic charts 
and understanding exactly what's going on and really get it fixed in our brains before we go a field hunting. And of course, carry that over to the target field. Don't just sit on the bench and plunk holes in paper at 100 yards. Get on the ground in a field position and mimic what you're going to be doing when you're hunting. Uh, that at least the way I have done it. And I have been successful to 400 yards with that simple system. And then I will add the turret dialing and or a ballistic reticle on top of that. And it gives me the quickest response for 90% of the animals I encounter. I can just use that maximum point blank range, make my shot. And if I've got a setup where I've got, a, say, a, an animal that's standing and very calmly gives me the opportunity to do some dialing and measuring the wind and all the things that I need to do for a little bit longer shot, I can go to 500 yards. That is pretty much my limit. I have tried a couple of longer shots under some really specific conditions and they worked out for me, but they also <laughs> told me that I got awfully lucky on that one and I don't think I'm going to do that again. I am going to stay within my limits. And that's mostly, as I said, under 500 and it's very few times that I've taken that shot. It's usually 400 to 450. That's my max. And I've been hunting for a long time. So what do you think? Am I, am I about right on that? You are spot on. You mentioned getting off the bench. That mm -hmm. is precisely what needs to happen. But also, you need to get out there when it's windy and practice. Most everybody wants oh, to get out yeah. there early in the morning or late in the evening because yep. there's no wind. That's me. Well, after you <laughs> yeah. have your rifle set up and it's windy, go shoot. Go uh -huh. set up a target out there. Paper is best because yeah. you can get some really good feedback. And just aim that center. Quit trying. Don't, don't even try to uh -huh. dope. Dope the wind. Uh, dope is stands for data obtained on previous engagements. Uh, don't try to compensate for what the wind is doing. Just aim dead center, and 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 let it let it tell you what it's doing. Let it and do. learn that. Yeah, learn yeah. how much drift there is. Try to try to guess what the drift is going to be, and then do that enough until you get really good at it, and then you can start to hold off. Mm -hmm. And then you can you can because yeah. if you hold dead center and just let it drift. You can then let it go and measure from center to where it drifted, and then you know exactly how much MOA you, you were supposed to put. And then you can, yeah. you can, you know, maybe you have a wind reading device or, or you have that image in your head of what the wind was doing. And then you go, okay, in this wind with my rifle, it'll drift, I don't know, two MOA, one MOA, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And you need yeah. to gather all yeah. that data. Oh, that's excellent, Eric. Now, would you recommend having a little notebook and writing this stuff down? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think that's probably where my shortcoming is. You know, I I have sort of absorbed things over the years as I hunted so much. You know, you would just get the feel of the wind. And I think that's important. But getting there would be a lot quicker if you were taking notes and actually measuring the wind speed and going 10 mile an hour wind. And this is how much it drifted at. 300 yards. I know that now. What did that wind feel like? Or what was the, what was the grass doing in a 10 mile an hour wind? And you've got to tie those things together. And as you said, you've got to get out there under those windy conditions to do it. But that is excellent advice because of all of the screw ups that I've had over the years in shooting game at distance, it's the wind that gives me the most fits. So uh, I think you're spot on in recommending that we really work on that. So this is the, uh, you know, it's and it's common sense, really. But you can ask, I can pretty much ask probably all your viewers and ask them, who wants to be an expert at, uh, reading the wind? 
And I'm willing to say 100% of them are going to raise their hand. But I guarantee you less than 10% of them like shooting in the wind. You yeah. have to. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. And you're going to get good at it. Yeah. And uh, the other yeah, thing that I would that I would recommend, you don't have to go to the range all the time. Get you a mm-hmm. uh, wind reading device. It's, you know, you can find them fairly cheap online. And when you're at the supermarket, you know, you, you're in the parking lot, they usually have flags everywhere. Look at the flag. Look at the trees. Yeah. Look at what they're doing. And try to guess what it's doing. Say, so, you know, man, that's a six-mile-an-hour wind. Mm-hmm. Pull out your deal and read the wind and see what it is. And then you're going to calibrate. Yeah. You At some point, you're going to calibrate your mind to what it's actually doing. And just keep it with you at all times. Good point. And, you know, you go to the beach. Yeah. Look at what it's doing. Look at, you know, look at what you think it's doing. Pull out your meter and measure mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And you have to actively keep thinking about the wind. The wind is one of those things yeah. that it'll make or break the best shooters in the world. Wow. Excellent advice, Eric. Um, and I would apply that same thing to a judging distance. Um, with laser range finders now, most of us don't bother. It's just like hit the button and you'll know the range. But what happens when you forget it or your battery goes dead? It's really important to be able to guesstimate range the way we used to do before we had the laser range finders. But the nice thing now is you can do the similar thing. Instead of your wind meter, you've got your range finder and you're walking, you're hiking, you're walking your dog, whatever. And you say, I wonder how far it is to that tree or that rock. I guess it's about, and then hit it with your rangefinder to see how close you come. That kind of training, both with that and your wind meter, you're developing all of your skills as a shooter without actually having to spend ammunition and time shooting. Then when you get back out to practice, you apply what you've learned and you're just that much farther ahead. Absolutely. Uh, range estimation and wind reading is... If you imagine that, right? If you had, if you were an expert at that, you could shoot mm-hmm. with a, you know, you don't need a big cartridge, right? You could, if you could, I feel like a big cartridge is typically used to compensate for the shortcomings of the shooter in wind reading ability or range <laughs> estimation, right? And, and that's perfectly okay. However, I learned that as I got better as a shooter and at wind reading, I actually uh-huh. started using uh, smaller cartridges. So I used to use a 264 mm-hmm. Win Mag, 300 Win Mag, 7 Remington Magnum. And as I started learning, then I started moving into a 708. I actually, that was my favorite, uh, 708. Mm-hmm. I had a uh, 223. It, it just, because I was getting better at it, that I could, you know, mm-hmm. 708, it was perfectly adequate. If you look at the at the energy levels that, that that it carries it's an yeah. excellent cartridge i would shoot hogs out to 400 yeah. yards with that thing no problems because of my knowledge before i needed that big gun <laughs> to yeah. kind of you know do some of the heavy lifting for me not being able to read the wind sure. and not being able to estimate the range properly yeah oh that is some excellent advice. I am really glad we had this chance to visit with you, Eric. Um, what's up next for you? You've got some international competitions coming up or what? Yep. World Championship in South Africa. So. Wow. Try to go When's get that some gold come medals. Down? Yeah. I, uh, I've been oh. invited by many people to go hunting while I'm there, but 
I'm going to be shooting at paper for about three weeks and I'm not so sure I'm going to, I'm mm. going to have any, my trigger finger is probably going to be pretty tired. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I wish. Well, maybe you and I can get together and plan a, an African hunt sometime and you can uh, show me how to read the wind. Well, we're going to have to hit the range first, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me work for it, aren't you? <laughs> uh, there's no shortcut. There's absolutely yeah. no way to All shortcut right. the system. Well, you heard it, folks, from an expert. This man knows what he's talking about, and I think it would do us all good to listen to what he recommends. Get out there and learn your wind calls, your drops, your gun, your bullet yourself, and apply it all and practice, practice, practice. And I think you're going to be not just a better long-range shooter and target shooter, but as Eric has said, you're going to become a much better hunter. Eric, I want to thank you for dropping in and helping us out here on the podcast. I think every one of us listening has learned a lot of important things. Now we're going to try to apply those lessons and become better shooters and hunters. And then um, we'll just see how we do after about six months of practice. Maybe we can get back together and let you know. And then you can let us know how you did on those world competitions. Sound good? Thanks, sir. Now, you have got a podcast of your own yes, and sir. a YouTube channel. Is that right? Correct. What is that? Well, the podcast is called Believe the Target, because just like we discussed, Believe the that's target. the ultimate judge of your abilities. Uh, we can sit here and discuss tactics, ballistic tables all day long, but until you shoot at that target, you really don't know if you're right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Believe the Target is my podcast and my YouTube channel is Eric Cortina, Eric with a K. It's, uh, it's out there. Eric with a K. Okay. All right. And I recommend folks check it out because every time I've looked at one of your YouTube videos, I have learned something. All right, folks, that is it for this episode of Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast. We want to thank Eric Cortina for joining us. This man has wonderful information and he was willing to share it with us and we all benefited from it. Thank you, Eric. Until next time, this is Ron Spomer on Honest and Shoot Straight. To succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest tune in to west marines life on the water presented by costa custom boats every saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.